Thank you, Jesus. When he, when he stands up in your ship, storms cease. And when he walks through the wall into the middle of a melancholy group of men, he changes the whole atmosphere. When he walks into the room, ladies with an issue of blood are healed, little dead girls are raised. When he walks into the atmosphere of a funeral, he touches a casket and a dead boy gets up and begins to walk and lives again. When he walks into the tomb atmosphere of Lazarus, who's been dead four days, and simply says three words, turns the whole situation around. There is resurrection, life in all you do, Jesus. Your situation may be dire, it may seem hopeless, but when he walks in to your room, you ought to begin to rejoice because everything's getting ready to change. And somebody said amen. Amen. Thank the Lord. Feels good here today. So I have not properly announced this. I know I've only mentioned it once or twice, but our new format will be Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. Our Sunday school age children will have classes. In our afternoon service at 2 o'clock, our youth will have their breakout classes. And so uh, we're doing that right now until we get our new uh, building built, uh, the fellowship hall and the gymnasium and the, uh, the uh, classroom space. That will, that will be a little while and so until we get that done. This is the way we must do it just logistically. We just don't have room for all of them to meet without our fellowship hall which as most of you know, we just decided to give up on after all these floods and all these years. We just, you know, we said Jack's Defeat Creek, you can have it. And we're gonna build something, build something else up on stilts again. We'll show Jack, amen. You have your Bibles. Let's go to the word of the Lord, 2 Kings chapter four. It's good to see you all here again. We used to go home after Sunday morning and eat, take a nap right but the kids get ready again now all you now all you got to do is go eat and come back amen if you gripe at the kids all night long second kings 4 verse 1 there cried a, a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto elisha saying thy servant thy servant my husband is dead and you know she says that your servant did fear the Lord. And now the creditor is come to take him, to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. Elisha said to her, what shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? And she said, thine handmaid hath not anything in the house. You ought to thank God for commas sometimes where we would put a period <laughs> the Bible puts a comma save a pot of oil and that little phrase changed her whole life he said go borrow vessels abroad of all your neighbors even empty vessels don't borrow a few and when thou art come in thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons and thou shalt pour out unto all those vessels and thou shalt set aside that which is full. I, I wonder where it began to settle into her brain. Wait a minute. <laughs> this doesn't make sense. 
I told you I have a little bit, just a pot of oil. You're talking about vessels in the plural, and you're talking about pouring out and then setting aside those things that are, this doesn't make sense. And so you ought to thank God for verses, verse fives in your life when the devil would put a period at verse four. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured out. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, there is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. Then she came and told the man of God and said, he said to her, go sell the oil and pay your debt and live thou and thy children of the rest. Lord, speak to us one more time today, I pray. Open our hearts, our spirits. Let us receive what you have for us in your word today. Bless your people, I pray. Bless our young people, Lord, in their class today, I pray. Do a mighty work in this place. We give you the glory and we give you the praise. And everybody said amen. And everybody said praise the Lord. Turn around and smile at two or three people. Smile at everybody, as a matter of fact. Don't, don't just smile at two or three and frown at everybody else. Smile at everybody. I kind of gave you a, a, an out there, didn't I? Smile, one, two, three, frown. I didn't mean that. She has lost her husband to death and now faces the very real, by the way, very real threat of losing her two sons to the creditors. And in sheer desperation, she cries to the man of God for help. And Elisha responds by redirecting her from her, her focus, from what she has lost and from the real danger of what she's about to lose to what she has left. It always amazes me how losing something precious can cause one to feel totally depleted. And I do believe, I believe it with all of my heart, that one of the most effective tricks of our adversary is to capitalize on that very phenomenon, that feeling of We've lost something, and so it almost has this vacuum effect. We lose one thing, and it feels like everything's gone. The moment we experience loss, he, he the devil, shows up and, and does his best to convince us that not only is that lost, but all is lost. But, but So I just came this morning, or this afternoon, I just came to remind you uh, that the devil is a liar. Just in case you needed to be reminded of that. That, that, that often what you feel is not real. I, I didn't say your feelings aren't valid. I just said often we feel what isn't real. And, uh, and, and the problem with that is that we tend to act and behave according to our feelings rather than reality sometimes. Rather than stopping and doing a reality check, we just kind of react to our emotions, to our feelings. I don't know what it would feel like for your spouse to suddenly die and then creditors to be knocking on your door uh, the next day saying we're taking your only, the only thing you have left in your house, family. 
family wise we're going to take them to be our servants I don't know what that would feel like but I suppose it would be very depressing very depleting and I'm sure that her reaction I'm sure that her conversation with the man of God was reactionary very reactionary so I just came to remind you that the devil is a liar and often your feelings exaggerate and, and that God can take what is left and God can bless it and God can multiply it and he says things like when we're complaining about what we don't have, he reminds us that his grace is sufficient. We, we may not feel like we have enough, but he will always remind us that it's not about what you have lost. It's about what you have left. And my grace, he says, my grace will never leave you. My grace, he says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And he'll remind us in the face of the lies of the adversary, my grace. My grace can see you through. My grace can take where you leave off. You see, when, when we're running out, God is running in. blesses it and multiplies it and says my grace is sufficient so the question of the hour I believe this right now is not what have we lost because we sit right now in this climate it seems like all the dignitaries and all of the leaders are pointing us to what we the problems the problems the problems the problem we think we, we get this fixed and there comes another problem when we handle that and here comes here comes a variant of the of the of the problem when we get through that and here comes now we got a new variant of the issue and a new problem and a new problem and another problem and another problem and I, I didn't come to discourage you today but I will remind you that our only hope is not in in, in Washington DC our only hope is not in Indianapolis and our only hope is not in Bloomington, Indiana, and our only hope is not in the Ellisville Town Council. Our only hope is in heaven, and our only hope, his name is Jesus Christ. And until the world turns to Jesus, we're, we're using words like variants and mutations and all these things, and it's, it's all the same language. It's always been true. Our problem comes, and when we try to overcome it on our own, we, get a little, we, get, we just get a little fix, a little Band-Aid on it, but it comes at us another direction. And Jesus is the only answer. Faith is the only thing that's going to work. Amen. How are we doing? The question of the hour really is what hast thou in the house? What do we have in the house? I know what we don't have. And I know we can sit around and say, well, we've lost this and we've lost that. And this is different and that is different. And this doesn't feel the same. And, and God help us. I know we've, we've had just a few people. Thank God we're doing better than a lot of churches who have seen. I heard one church say that they had 60 families. I don't know how big the church was. 60 families is already a pretty good-sized church. But they had 60 families that this pastor has not even heard from since COVID hit. And so I look around and we are so blessed. I do have a handful of people who I have just about maybe two families that I just cannot hear from. But for the most part, everybody's picking up their phone. And everybody's responding and we're staying in contact with them. And there's a few people that are still waiting because they have health issues. But man, I'm looking around this church and we are so blessed. So many people who said as soon as the doors are open, we're getting back. As soon as we can get back to the house of God. 
we're coming back. But it's easy for us right now to kind of lick our wounds and, and feel depleted. And boy, I wish, and we can preach. If we're not careful, we start preaching to what's left and what we've lost. And we start fixating on what we wish we had. And if I do that, I will, I will kill you. If we start griping in the pulpit at everything that's not happening, the people that are getting it will be starved. And so I'm not coming in this pulpit today to nag you or bug you or complain at you. I'm coming to tell you, congratulations, you made it. You're here. You're still here. You're still plugging away. You're, you, say, you might say, well, I don't feel like I have very much left. That's all right. His grace is sufficient for you. And if you will use what you've got left, come on. If you will use what's in your spirit, what's in reserve, what's in the house, God will take that little bit. He will bless it and multiply it and do great things through you. If you believe that, shout amen. The woman comes to him in verse 4. The Bible says that there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets. And she says to Elisha, thy servant, your servant, my husband is dead. You know. Catch her, catch her spirit here. <laughs> this is the way I read it anyway. Now, I didn't read it like this 25 years ago, but I've been pastoring a while now. Come on. I know how spirits can be. I don't believe she came saying, Sir, my, my, my dear husband, you know, he served you for a while. I know you may not remember. He, she's saying, Look, <laughs> the man that served you my husband is dead. You know that he served the Lord. You know that he feared the Lord. Now, it's there. I know it's there. It, it, it's kind of a, a what's up with this attitude. He served you. What's up with this? He served God. What's up with this? I watched him get up early in the morning and leave and didn't see him all day while he was serving you and serving God. These two boys that are about to be taken away, I raised them while he was out washing your feet and washing your hands and running down water for you and bringing you food and making sure you had everything. He served you. He's dead. I don't know Elisha very well, but I wonder if he even sent some flowers to the funeral, you know? Did he even show up to the funeral? I don't know. We don't know. I know he was busy doing the Lord's work. <laughs> Your servant, my husband, who served the Lord, he's dead. And to make matters worse now, the only thing that I have left, which are my two boys, the creditors are coming. Now, I know I'm, I might be stretching it here a little bit, but it almost seems like she's saying, you know, if you'd paid him a little better. You had no, you had no retirement plan, no life insurance. No, he dead, and now they're going to take my boys. I don't know if that's what she was saying, but it's kind of there. It's almost like she's saying, what have I got to show for all this? 
I sacrificed. I, I was at home. I, I sacrificed my husband. I sacrificed. I tried to, I had to work. I had to do all this. I had to do that. He was serving you. And he, was, he served the Lord. He feared the Lord. I, now listen, I, you don't have to follow me on this if you don't want to. You don't have to agree with what I'm saying if you don't want to. I'm not saying that's exactly what happened. But I'm going to tell you, you have had situations. You, there have been times where you questioned why. I don't get this. I don't get this. I don't, and, and, and we, we may be cryptic about it. We may not just be blatant. We don't get on Facebook and say, I don't understand why God's doing this. But it's in there. I stood outside the room of my uh, daughter-in-law years ago, and I heard her, as I stood outside her, her room at the hospital, hearing her painful cries to birth a dead baby while we watched all these other families celebrating the birth of their babies my daughter-in-law birthed a dead baby knowing it was dead for days and I stood outside that room hearing her cries and I did tell the Lord I don't get this and at the moment I wasn't ashamed to tell him I don't get this. I've served you. We've served you. We've done. If you're honest about it, you've been there. You may not be as blatant as I was about it, but I had a moment there where I just told the Lord, I don't get this. And I stood there for a minute, and if I've ever heard, I didn't hear an audible voice, but if I've ever felt the Lord speak to my spirit, I felt it in that hospital when he said, that's okay. You don't have to get this. I got this. I think about that one for a minute. In other words, he, he, he kind of massaged that into my mind in the days to come. I will do things that you do not understand. I have purposes that I have not shared with you. My ways are above your ways. You see a little bitty piece of a big puzzle. And there's going to be other times in your life because I was fairly young at that time. I've lived a few years since then. There's been more times, Brother Southern, where I've said, okay, God, I don't get this, but I remember that you got this. You understand what I don't understand. You see what I don't see. You're working where I don't, I don't, I don't know when you're working, where you're working. We sing it around here a lot. Even when we don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't know it, he's working. Even when I don't understand, he's working it out. And if I really trust the Lord, I have to believe that even those things that I don't understand, that he works all things together. I don't get this, God, but, but I know you've got this. And I don't understand, but I know you understand. And you've got a purpose that I'm just a small part of. I, I believe there's, that she's a little indignant. I believe she probably is when she says to her, when she says to the man of God, look, he, was, he served you, he served the Lord, he feared the Lord. And now look at what's happening to me. This is not fair. The creditors come to take my two sons to be bondmen. I'll have nothing. I, I don't know what I will do. And Elisha said to her, what shall I do for thee? Now, I want to teach a little bit here. I want to teach a little bit about what ministry, and I'm talking about effective ministry, good ministry, what it's for, what it's to do. The Bible says uh, in the New Testament, it says that the fivefold ministry is talking about that. It says that it's there to equip the saints. It's, it's there to uh, for the perfecting of the saints for the work 
of the ministry, the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, the, the, the work of the ministry. So the ministry, the ministers, the administrative ministry of the church, the pastors, the teachers, those that speak into your life. We're not here. I, I don't want to be your bookkeeper. I don't want to do your taxes. I don't want to come to your house and tell you, here's how you pray, and here's when you should pray, and here's a good place to pray. That's not my role. I'm not to run to you every time your car breaks down or every time you lose a job or every time you're looking for a job. I'm I don't have time. And it's not that I don't love you and it's not that I don't care for you, but that's not even what I've been called to do. And this woman says to Elisha, what, it's almost like she said, what are you going to do about this? Now, I've learned, like I said, I, I'm at this age, I'm at this area in my ministry where I've got a lot to learn, and I know that, but I've learned some things too. When you first start in anything, there's, there's, this, there's, there's stages of growth. First, there's you don't know what you don't know, and then you know what you don't know, and then you know what you know, and then you know and you go. And, but, but when you first start out in anything, you, you, there's things to, I don't know what I don't know means, I don't, there's things I got to learn, I don't even know I need to learn them. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm fixing to learn some stuff I didn't even know was there to learn. Amen. And then I go to school and I realize, oh, these things called numbers. You do things, but I didn't even know there was such a thing as addition and subtraction and multiplication and division. I just heard of numbers. I knew you could count when I went to kindergarten. I didn't know about all this adding stuff. I didn't know there's something that I needed to learn. And I, now I know what I don't know. I don't know how to add. I don't know how to subtract. I'm going to learn it. And then I get to the second grade and I know what I know in the second grade. I didn't know what I didn't know, and then I knew what I didn't know. Now I know what I know, and you don't have to keep notes on that. It won't make sense until you listen to it a couple times, but it's part of learning. So I've got to the point where at least I know what I know. <laughs> I know some things. I've seen some things. I've been through some things. When I first started pastoring, I would, I would, I would run to every call that I got, and I'd try to go. I'd show up at everybody's house that even hinted they needed some help. I'd show up. What can I do? I'm here to help. I felt like I could help everybody. I was 30 years old. I knew about everything, you know. And I got I got a hard education that um, pastoring is not about knowing everything. It's about just praying with people and helping people and ministering to people and caring for people. And, but the best thing I can do for you is not run to your house every time you have a marital spat or run to your house every time your kids get in trouble or run to your house every time you, got, uh, you, you feel like you can't sleep and so somebody needs to pray for peace. The best thing I can do for you really, really is right there at that desk to teach you. Teach you how to be a good wife for your husband. Teach you how to be a good husband to your wife. Teach you how to be a good parent. I don't want to parent your kids. I did that already. I'm done, you know. I'm just, I'm just loving on my grandbabies now. I'm spoiling them rotten and letting their parents go through what I went through, send them home. Amen. I don't want to raise your kids. I don't want to run and pray for peace over your house. There's too many of you. That's all I'd ever get done. I'm busy praying for peace over my home. We deal with stuff too. Come on. So the best thing that I could do, and Elisha had this figured out. When he says, what can I do for you? 
What do you want me to do? You want me to take your boys to raise? You want me to, you want me to come and get, a, get another job, support you and your kids? You, what do you think I'm going to do? You know, it's almost like, what do what, what you want me to do? <laughs> now, I know that's not King James language, but that's kind of what he was saying. What shall I do for thee? If you think I'm going to run, and he understood this. This woman is in need. Now, I don't think he was, he was upset with her for sharing her need, but I think he was clarifying some parameters here. I'm not your supplier. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to refocus you to your supplier. I'm, I'm not your blessing. God might use me to bless you, but I'm not the source of your blessing. I, I'm not your prayer life. I will pray for you, but I can't pray for you, you understand. I will pray over you. I will pray for you. But at some point, you got to go pray too. You, 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 you want to look at what's in my house. But you got to look at what's in your house. Hey, Elisha, what you going to do about this situation? My husband, your servant, servant of the Lord, he's dead. My son's are, What you going to do about it? He says, what do you mean? What are you going to do about it? What can I do for you? I'm, I'm one man and I'm trying to, I'm busy preaching. I'm busy praying for people. I'm busy ministering. This is what he's saying. So here, let me help you. Let me re refocus. First of all, some of us got to get rid of our attitudes. Oh boy. Your attitude will cost you. Your attitude of entitlement that says, you know, everybody needs to take care of me. Everybody needs to tend to me. It will cost you because you will spend all your time shaking your fist at everybody who's done you wrong. And you will never see what's sitting over there in the corner of your own house. That if you would just get over yourself and get busy doing what God has told you to do, God would do mighty, mighty things for you. But you have to get, you got to get over yourself. You got to stop blaming everybody. Oh, Elisha and God, and everybody's just doing me wrong, and life's done me wrong. I've lost my husband, and he served you, and just blame, 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 shaking your finger at everybody, but looking in your own house. Okay, you lost your husband, and I am sorry that you lost your husband, and I'm going to pray that God gives you comfort, but what will you do now? Are you going to sit and just feel sorry for yourself the rest of your life and let the devil completely drain you of being useful in this life, or are you going to get it together and look around and see what you do have left? Elisha says to her, what shall I do for thee? Tell me, uh, let me refocus you here. What hast thou in the house? Don't look at me. Look at you. And she said, and this is her attitude to begin with. Her attitude, first of all, is negative. And when we are hurting, when we are bleeding, our first response is almost always negativity. We want to blame. We want to make sense. And so we feel like there's nothing. When somebody asks us a question, she didn't come to him so that he would tell her what she needed to do. She came to him so he would tell her what he was going to do. And when he turns it around on her and says, don't look at me. What do you have? 
her first response was to be negative. Now, this is why I said, thank God for calmness when we have attitudes and we're being negative and we're being a little bit dismissive. <laughs> I know you've probably never read it this way, but I read, I read things this way sometimes. I, I read it like she says, well, what you going to do for me? And he, he says, well, what do you mean what am I going to do for you? What, you got, what you got in your house? And she says, well, I ain't got nothing in my house. <laughs> I don't know, but folks, I hear it in my head this way. I've had enough of these conversations with people through the years. You don't know. When, see, you've got to be careful. When you start getting bitter, you get bitter at everybody. You get bitter at life. You get bitter at everything. David said, he made the statement one time. He said, I said in my heart, all men are liars. What in the world? You know why he said that? Because somebody lied to him. Somebody lied to him. And when one person does you wrong, I mean, come on, I know we all look different, but we all look alike. Amen. A man does you wrong, and then all men have done you wrong. A man lies to you. I've seen this. I've seen this. A pastor did somebody wrong. And now all pastors are wrong. A husband did her wrong, so now all men are wicked and all men are evil. And it begins to vent and spew. David said, I said in my heart all men are liars. Somebody lied to me, and so I just looked at all men. You're all a bunch of liars. Nobody's no good. I'm the only one doing right. And if you're not careful, you fall into this trap. When life serves you something sour, it didn't go the way you intended for it to go. You're even looking at Elisha. I mean, Elisha, can you imagine? My husband served you. Now he's dead. You do all these miracles. I don't know. It's there. I think it's in her heart. Do all these other miracles. And now he's dead. And now they're going to take my, what are you going to do? And he's like, no, what do you mean, what am I going to do? What are you going to do, girl? Go look. Go take it. What do you got in the house? And negativity always points to what is not there. She says, I don't have anything. I don't have anything. I don't have anything. And if you get stuck in your attitude, you will die saying, I have nothing. All men are liars, and I have nothing. Nothing's ever going to feel good again, and I have nothing. Life stinks, and I have nothing. Job had those days. I curse the day I die. I, I curse the day I ever was born. Why did I ever draw breath? Why did my mother ever feed me? Why did I, why did I ever come out of her womb? Oh, he had those moments, but then he always got around. Oh, okay, I can't stay here. I can't stay here. Even when his wife would come and say, why don't you just go ahead and finish this thing off? Curse God and die. Get it over with. He's like, oh, wait a minute. That's foolish. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't die in bitterness. Really, if you think about it, all, all he had to do was curse God and die. I think that was a reality. All he was, he was hanging on by a thread. The only thing he had not done was curse God. And then he started thinking, wait a minute, if I can, if, if I can curse God and die, then maybe I could bless the Lord and live. Maybe there's something to all this attitude stuff. Maybe there's something to the way I talk. Maybe there's something to me being negative versus being positive. 
curse God and die or bless the Lord and live. I don't feel like blessing the Lord. I still hurt. Bless the Lord anyhow. Amen. If you're going to wait until you feel good to bless the Lord, you will die full of boils and nothing in your bank account shaking your fist at heaven. But if you can learn that God is God and God is good and the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. I thank God for the time I had that husband in my life, but God saw fit to take him out of my life, and I do not understand why. I do not understand why now. God, I'm not going to lie. I don't understand this, but I know they're about to take my two boys, and i got to deal with this. I'm going to go to the man of God. What are you going to do? I can't do anything for you, but what do you have in the house? She said, I don't have anything in the house uh, except for I don't want to die here. I'm not going to die in my bitterness. I'm not going to die in my negativity. Negativity will kill you. Bitterness will kill you. It will stop you at the comma. I don't have anything in the house. Save a pot of oil. Other than, other than, except for. Those except for phrases is what will save you. Jesus said, I want to feed this multitude. Well, I don't have any food to feed them. That's the first thing. Jesus is a big idea guy. The disciples are the, uh, have to put the, they're the, they're the guys who have to bring it to, to pass. So he says, I want to feed them. And they're like, well, that's a great idea. I see people, I have people uh, on our church staff do this all the time. I think, I want to do this. And they're like, okay, how are we going to do this? I don't know. Make it happen, Brother Werther, you know. Because <clears throat> what the disciples understand is when Jesus says, I want to feed them, he really means, I want you guys to feed them. Right? So they start doing the math. They're the realist. Okay, sounds good. It <laughs> looks good. But when you start doing the math, we don't have food. And we're out here in the middle of nowhere. And where are we going to get? And Jesus is like, when you're finished talking about what you don't have, let's talk about what we do have. Because what we do have matters. What we don't have, you're talking about yesterday. You're talking about what's, what we did have, what's gone, what, we ne what never existed. But if we can get to the point of talking about what we do have listen I don't know who all I'm preaching to right now but some of you the devil's been trying to point out to you what you don't have and you're never going to have and because it's never going to happen and because why don't you just why, why, why don't you just try to ride this thing out just you know the rapture's going to happen soon if you can just get across the finish line stop trying to have revival stop praying for those people stop trying to reach out to people stop worrying about that stop trying to better yourself in the in the ministry stop stop trying to work and get more people into the church why even bother you know I mean Jesus is about to come and you're so depleted after all all the stuff we don't have. Did I tell you? Have I already said the devil's a liar in this sermon? Okay, I thought I had. Yes, I just want to make sure. <laughs> yeah, he is still a liar. That's right. If you don't hear otherwise from me, just assume the devil's a liar. Everything comes out of his mouth is a lie. 
And he'll tell you you're no good and you're not worthy. And he'll tell you you're never going to. And you don't have enough. And he's going to tell you you're never, you're never going to have that revival in your family. You're never going you're to have two nickels to rub together. You're never going to be able to retire. You're never going to be able to. You're never, 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 never going to feel good again. Some of you are still dealing with uh, sickness and, and coming out of being sick with COVID and all these things. And the devil's trying to tell you you're never going to feel like you used to feel. And you're always going to feel this way from now on. But so stop. Listen, I'm just saying to you, stop, stop, stop. Stop talking about what you wish you had. And go look around. Go to the corner and find that pot of oil. He said, I want you to go to what you have. And I want you to use what you have. I want the music to go ahead and come, please. It's fun to talk about what we wish we had. I, I, I won't lie to you. I like, when I was younger, I, I liked to go through the catalogs. You know, boy, what I'd, I'd love to have one of those. Love to have one of those. Now it's on, you know, I just go to Amazon. Boy, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. That's fun to talk about what we wish we could have. But we won't get anything accomplished looking at what we wish we had. At some point, I got to turn the tablet off. I got to shut the catalog and look around and say it. We're going to use what we got. <laughs> I wish I had a big old nice zero-turn mower. Man, I, could, I, I already know because I borrowed one off somebody a couple times this past year. And I can mow my yard in about 15 minutes with a zero-turn mower. I love it. But if I wait on myself to get a zero-turn mower, my yard will look like a jungle. So when Mason, my grandson Mason, he, he usually mows, but he's been sick here and there, and he's been busy with other things. So I had to mow myself a couple times, and I had to, well, I don't have a zero-turn mower. I don't have a commercial-grade mower. I just had to go out to the shed, and I look at that little push mower. <laughs> what do you have in the house? I have nothing. I don't have nothing. I don't have a, push. I don't have a zero-turn mower. How am I going to mow? That is, it's like the Lord said, well, there, go, go push that. That zero turn that I borrowed, I borrowed it off of Chad, Brother Chad. And uh, that owns the Chad's repair down the road here. He's told me, if you ever need a mower, just give me a call. And don't, you know, I can lend you something. So um, there were a couple times that whenever Mason was whatever, wasn't available. So I went out and looked at that push mower and I gave it a yank, real, 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 real easy yank. It's not, I don't think that's going to start today, you know. <laughs> now, you're laughing, and my wife thinks I'm telling the truth. I did not really do that. I know she thought I did that a time or two. <laughs> yeah, I'm 54. I just don't have the pull in me. I used to have this. Oh. No, I, I used that push mower a few times this year. You got to get out there and push because I had to look at what do I have. If I, if I wait until... I get what I wish I had, my yard won't get mowed. If I wait till I have what I wish I had, I may never, I, you know, I had to do this as a pastor a long time ago. Man, I, there was times I look around when I was first be, beginning to pastor, man, it'd be nice to have a praise team like we have now. We didn't have it. So, well, we just won't sing. No way. We're going to sing anyhow. It's what you got. Do the best you can. And we're come first of the year, we're going to have our choir singing again, by the way. Thank God for that. But we didn't have a choir. We didn't have a praise team. We had a singer or two. We got up and we sang. We didn't have a band. 
we had a keyboard and an organ, if I remember right. Not much else. Um, me and Brother Hank, I think we were the drummers at one point. Hank wasn't bad, but you don't want to hear me on the drums. <laughs> I think I played the drums some. I, I played the keys for a while or whatever. But we just said, we just, you know, okay, we're going to use what we have. And God blessed it. And God multiplied it. And today, uh, our, uh, our music director, Sister Barrow, has to use a, an app called Planning Center or something. Something like that. I don't remember. To let the singers that are going to sing today know they're going to sing today. I mean, we're, we have to schedule singers. That, used to, that was not the case. We were not telling anybody, you're not singing today. We're just like, oh, you can say, hey, come on. You know, yeah. So you use what you have. What do you have in the house? Well, I have a pot of oil. Okay, great. He said, I want you to go abroad. Go borrow vessels abroad. I'm glad that word's in there. Broaden your expectations. I want you to go far. I want you to think big. I, I don't want you to even look in the house for pots. I want you to get that pot, and I want you to go. I want you to think big. I want you to think that what I'm going to do, what the Lord is going to do with your little bit is going to far exceed your ability to receive it. So I want you to go abroad and borrow vessels. Not a few, many. By the way, when she began to pour out of that pot into the vessels, the Bible says she would fill a pot up and set it aside. Fill a pot and set it aside. Fill a pot and set it aside. And what just a few hours ago seemed like perpetual poverty now seems like, oh wow, perpetual provision is in this pot. When I obey the Lord, when I get rid of my negativity, when I get rid of my bitterness, when I get over that, when I, when I stop expecting everybody else, but when I just, I'm going to use what God has allowed me to have. By the way, you can't just take the pot and celebrate the pot of oil. you got to pour out. When you pour out, listen, I'm preaching to some of you that you just kind of found your little area. You're just, you got your little your little area, you're, you're, you're serving God, but you're not doing a lot for God. You're, you're showing up, but you're not doing a lot for the Lord. You're, you're going to try to make it to heaven, but you're not, you're not really doing much to reach anybody else. I'm trying to pry you out of that today when I tell you that you will stagnate if you do not let the Lord flow through you. He did not give you the Holy Ghost so you could bottle it up and just wait on the rapture to take place. You remember when Jesus went to the woman at the well and he had that conversation with her about salvation and drawing water and all of that. At the beginning of that story, he sends his disciples away. They go to buy food. And Jesus has this lengthy conversation about, with this woman and, and blows her mind and, and, and completely revolutionizes her world. And she runs back to the city and she tells everybody, come see a man. And the Bible says that they came from the city. All this happens while his disciples are on a 
Uber Eats run or whatever. They're going to pick up food. Door, door dash, yeah, okay. All this happens, and, and then when, the, when, when that all happens, here come the disciples back with groceries. And, uh, and they say, Jesus needs to eat. And they say, here, Jesus, eat. And Jesus says, no, I have meat, food to eat that you don't know. You, you know not of. And they start looking at each other. Wait a minute. He, he sent us for groceries. We come back with groceries. He hasn't. Did somebody give him something to eat? They're worried about him eating. And he makes this really neat statement. We kind of overlook it, but it's, it's there. It's powerful. He said, uh, I have meat to eat that you know not of. And, and they said, well, who's given him to eat? Has somebody brought him anything to eat? And he says to them, my meat, my food, is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. In other words, Jesus was saying, I derive my sustenance from doing the work of the Lord. The reason some Christians are starving is we are not doing the work of the Lord. Let God use you. Let God flow through you. What will you do with what you have? Let's stand. Wow. I'm preaching to people who feel so empty and so depleted that you thought maybe maybe your days are behind you. But I believe if your days were behind you, you'd already be in the ground. And here you are still breathing and God's still bringing you here and you're still walking and talking and thinking and breathing. And Come on. Pour it out. Find vessels. And it will happen. If you're, if you're prayerful and careful, opportunities will just present themselves to you. I, I went in Starbucks the other day. I ordered my coffee on my app and it said, be ready in five minutes. So I walked in there at five minutes and I'm watching, waiting, like about, oh no, a dozen of us standing there. <laughs> We're so trained. We stand there waiting on our caffeine to pop out. Put it on our letter, you know, our last name, or, or program. And uh, I saw them put down a cup of coffee and she said, Lucy! Lucy wasn't there yet, so this other guy walked in and he walked up to the L, L through whatever, and he picked up the coffee and he looked at it. Oh, it wasn't he wasn't Lucy. <laughs> so he, he put it down. He put it on the wrong one. He put it on the wrong letter. And I saw all this happen. And I thought, well, Lucy's going to come in. I just, I can't mind my own business with anything. Uh, you know, poor Lucy, she needs her coffee. She's going to come in and she's going to look on the wrong spot and she's going to miss her. So I, I just mentioned, I said, hey, buddy, I think that was on the, I know my wife's like, yeah, that is my husband to a T. I said, hey, buddy, I think that was on the L on the, I think. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah. And he, he just moved it over. He goes, well, thank you for that. And I said, well, I don't want Lucy to be confused when she gets here, you know. And we start, we struck up this conversation. And he says, he goes, man, I like your shoes. I said, well, thank you. They're falling apart. These shoes, not these shoes, but the shoes I was wearing, they're falling apart. But he said, I like your shoes. I said, well, thank you. He goes, what do you do for a living?
And, and I thought I was being a little bit weird, you know. Hey, I think that was on the L. <laughs> and God opened a door. And, and his name is Lake. And he's had a rough two years. And he needs somebody to pray for him. So I assured him that the church I pastored is going to add Lake to our prayer list. Will you pray for Lake? And I believe God's going to open a door because I'm going to go back to the very same Starbucks at the very same hour of day and stand in front of the L's and see if God doesn't bring Lake back into my life. But you got to pour out. 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 And you say, well, I feel so depleted. You're depleted because you've been hanging on. But if you'll start to pour out, God adds to what you, whatever you pour out, God will add more and more and more. And my meat is to do the will of my Father. Would you find you a place today? I feel like if we would talk to Jesus, he would speak to our hearts today. I call you to this altar or make an altar of your chair, whatever you want to do. Can we just kind of bring this message into our lives? Appropriate it for your life. What do you, whatever God's leading you to. God, speak to our hearts, I pray. Open our eyes. God, give us a fresh burden. God, we want to be used of you. We want to do your will, to do the will of our Father and to finish his work. Come on, would you just give everything to the Lord right now? Withholding nothing, Lord. But I'll give you everything, Lord. Yes, yes, yes. Withholding nothing.
I've discovered that the more I pour out, the more I give, the more he replenishes. I, I, and I've had people say before, I, I've, I've heard people say, Brother Worthy, I don't know how you pastors do it. I don't know how you preachers do it. You know, so many people have so many problems and you're always having to pray for this and visit that. And I've never, I've, I'll be honest with you, that's never occurred to me. Other than people saying that to me, it's never, I've, I've never felt like, how do I do this? I've never had a week where I thought, man, so many people had so many problems. It's not because it, 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 that's not the way it computes. In I could say the same of you. How do you do this? You got people. You're praying for people. You're trying to keep a family together. You're trying to make a living. You're trying to and serve the Lord. And this mixed up world. You know, I could say the same to you. How do you? Do, I don't know how you do. But we do it because ministry works. When I do the will of my Father. I have meat that you know not of. And pouring out, that's all I know to do. It's just pour out. Pour out. Have I ever been burnt out? I'm going to be honest with you. I have never felt burnout in the ministry. Jobs, yes. Ministry, no. I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that because I just don't see how you get burnt out if it's if you're doing it right we get in the wrong mindset and we will get burnt out as a christian as a minister amen i receive and i give i give you all of me withholding nothing and i've never been depleted I've had moments, don't misunderstand. I've had moments where I thought, Lord, I really need to soak something in right now. I really need, and, 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 but God has never been late. He's never been absent. I rem I'll never forget, Brother uh, Gunderman, and this probably doesn't mean anything to you at all. I'm talking to Daniel. I've mentioned it a couple times, but I, it was a prayer meeting night. I was right around here praying. I felt that uh, just, you know, that drag. I just, I, I came to prayer meeting saying, God, I, I want to be a blessing to those people, but I, I need something tonight. And I just felt, he, lay, he came up, he didn't know, he just come up and prayed for me. And I just felt this, this, this load, this weight just lift. I mean, it just lifted off of me. And I can tell you about time after time after time of the Lord always showing up right on time. So listen, I'm, I'm just encouraging you, to, you today. Trust the Lord. You don't have to reserve anything. You don't have to get your alabaster box out and say, well, I think I can afford to give the Lord this much. Break the box. Just break. Just say, Lord, I'm withholding nothing. I'll give you everything. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go all out. I'm all in. I'm going to give you everything I've got. Amen? And you watch. You trust me. You test me and see if God won't show up every single time when you're in need, when you feel a little depleted. He'll fill you, and you pour out, and there's more. You pour out, you set it aside. You pour out, you set it aside. And the only limitation is how many vessels you have to pour into. That oil would still be flowing today if that woman still had enough vessels. Well, I guess until she died, but she'd have been pouring out the rest of her life. I don't know. I think I would have saw the last vessel coming down the line and said, Boys, go hire some people, you know. <laughs> going into the oil business God bless you oh God. it had been a great day in the Lord today amen we dismiss you today go in the Lord Wednesday night 730 by the way 
uh, ignore the sign. We're not, in, we're not in revival Friday and Saturday. I just haven't changed the sign. I've got a very narrow window of opportunity. I have to catch it after the sun goes down. It doesn't read the remote in the daylight. And uh, I have to catch it after the sun goes down and before I go to bed. <laughs> right? <laughs> so I, I have to come and I have to stand up on the bumper of my truck. So we may get a new sign some, one of these days. They have to have them or you can just punch it in with your iPad or something. I, it's the old, it's the old, animal. I have to go beep, beep, beep to get a C. And then beep, 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 beep to get an A, you know, and all that stuff. So, yeah, that's why we don't have fancy messages on the board. It's too much trouble. Just be glad you got the times on there. God bless you. Go in Jesus. We love you.